Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted, and welcome back to the NFL Scouting Combine. We are here at the Indiana Convention Center in downtown Indianapolis. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined by Wes Hodkowitz and Larry McCarron. Fellas, we've gotten about three-quarters of the way through this annual extravaganza here, and the number one question, I think, from Packers fans hasn't gone away. What are the Packers going to do at wide receiver this offseason? Heading into 2020, there's Devontae Adams at the top of the heap, and then no one really knows how it's going to sort itself out after that. The wide receiver prospects talked to the media a couple of days ago. We got a chance to be involved in some of those interviews. Any guys that uh, that stand out to you, or have you gotten any sense maybe of what direction the Packers might go here in the offseason? Well, in terms of sense, not really. We're going to find out exactly what they think of what they have and what they could potentially add to that group. More often than not, over the last 15 years, there has been a receiver prospect that has been added during one of those three days. But what I really find intriguing about this receiver draft class, everybody talks about how deep it is. And it really reminds me of last year with the tight ends where there were so many of them. There were so many that were going to go the first two days that you just figured the Packers filling a need there could potentially go down that road. And they ultimately did with Jay Sternberger getting drafted 75th overall, the highest the Packers had taken that tight end in 18 years or whatever it was. I think this receiver class is very similar in terms of they could go for one at 30. There's probably going to be a good one there in the second round too. Do you want to wait to the third round, maybe find the next James Jones there as well? Sure. So when I look at this class, Larry had so many good astute observations the past few days on some of these smaller type receivers that could fit a slot. If the Packers choose to keep going with these bigger guys though and if they want to go in the first round maybe a guy like t higgins ultimately ends up being there in the later rounds or the later first round or or maybe you trade up to get him i just i've been really intrigued by his size his playmaking ability six foot four he's lean and i just you know listening to him talk at the podium how confident he is he feels like his height and the way he utilizes that is what separates him from the pack and makes him the best receiver in this class and for that reason he's kind of the guy i've had my eye on all week yeah one thing about wide receivers Packer history says that you don't have to take one in the first round. We're talking about Jordy. We're talking about Jennings. We're talking about Randall Cobb. We're talking about Devontae Adams. You do not have to go up and get one in round one. So should the Packers not address the wide receiver position in the first day of the draft, don't worry about (laughs) it. Help could still be on the way. Yeah, absolutely. And The mix that you mentioned, how deep everyone is talking about this wide receiver class is, the mix of guys is interesting. You mentioned, obviously, T. Higgins, his size. There are these other guys, K.J. Hamler from Penn State, Jalen Rager from TCU. They're the smaller guys, the sub-six-footers that Larry talked about earlier. They could be the slot guys, although they don't like to be pegged as slot guys. They're like, hey, you can line me up anywhere. But then you also have, I don't like to call them tweeners because that becomes, you know, kind of a negative connotation, but a guy like LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, I hope Good I'm job, saying Mike. that correctly, and, uh, and Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. These guys are right around six feet, but they're 210, 220, right. maybe 220 plus pounds. 
So those guys maybe can line up anywhere. They, be, they become the versatile pieces like a Devontae Adams is. So I think there are going to be a lot of options out there for the Packers, as you said, maybe in the first round, maybe in the second round, or the third round where they got a guy like Jay Sternberger that they're developing for down the road. And I'm glad you pointed that out because we're seeing this more and more. If you're a slot guy, a lot of times they're asking you to do things outside. Another guy that comes to mind immediately is Bama's Henry Ruggs III. Uh, he's five foot eleven. I mean, he's a guy that I think kind of projects more like that that Greg Jennings type that, yeah, you can move him around, but he can live and actually produce outside if you want him to be there. I, I just, there's so many prospects in this draft that give so many intriguing skill sets that I feel like the Packers and, and Brian Gutekunst, wherever they want to address this, if they address it, they're going to find somebody that could potentially fit in here and contribute. You go back to two years ago, I didn't anticipate them drafting three receivers. They went that route. Last year, they felt content that they didn't need to, but the thing I keep going back to, and Larry's right, you don't need to do this in the first round, but it has been six years now since the last time they took Devontae Adams in the second. There sometimes is a caliber of prospect that you find, some traits that you find in those early rounds that aren't always there in the middle. That's why I'm intrigued to see if that potentially could be the, if this could be the year where they finally dip back into the second or maybe even the third to, to find a guy. You know what's going to be interesting, guys, is how the draft falls and you're talking about the first round, there's been projections where as many as a half a dozen yeah. Yeah. wide receivers get selected in the first round. And you're wondering how teams, how the other teams are going to play it. Are they thinking we're going to jump in and get our guy or are we going to hold back because it is so deep in talent at that position? Are we going to hold back, or is that going to be a situation when one goes off the board, zap, then you're going to get another five off the board real quick because, hey, now we got to go get our guy. It'll be interesting because every draft has its own personality. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so, and, and, and as we get into draft night in late April in that first round, Teams don't necessarily, they, they have their guy, but they don't know how many other teams have that same guy and how much do you believe in that guy over somebody else. What What's the, the courage of your conviction, so to speak, to make the move? But you mentioned Jordy Nelson. That What is that, 12 years ago, 2008, the Packers actually traded back out of the first round, went down six spots, and then took Nelson at the top of the second round. He becomes one of the Packers' all-time greats. Yeah, it is funny, though. I'm glad Larry mentioned that. Watching how those trends play out, I mean, it isn't quite like fantasy football where it's, okay, everybody starts taking a defense, so you got to grab one. But you do see these things happen. And I go back to last year. Now, T.J. Hawkinson, everybody thought he was probably going to be a top-ten talent. But you and I, when we were going through the interview process with these guys, I think a lot of people thought Noah Fant was maybe borderline first round, maybe the end of the first round. And then look where he ended up going because, well, are you going to be able to get that guy at number 30? Yeah. Those are the things that we don't know today. And even maybe up until three hours before the draft, you know, on April 26th or whatever it is, GMs aren't even going to know it then. Yeah. Well, if there is another question that is out there on the fans' minds that hasn't gone away, it's what are the Packers going to do about the run defense that was obviously a big letdown in the NFC yeah. Championship game against San Francisco. So earlier today, before we turned on the cameras here, we heard from defensive linemen and linebackers. They were the ones who were meeting the media. So I'll just throw this out there. Any guys that you heard from Wes that uh, that pique your interest a little bit for I, any reason? I don't think you can sit there and listen to Kenneth Murray talk for four <laughs> minutes and not be impressed with him and how he carries himself. Absolutely. Uh, he recounted a fantastic story in terms of where he comes from, uh, some of the things that his family has gone through, and even, you know, as recently, I mean, he 
recounted a story about, you know, saving this woman's life on the side of a road. I mean, like, yeah. it, but more than that, this is a guy that is a fantastic football player. He actually played with Curtis Bolton, uh, had a chance to play with him a little bit a year ago. And He's this, not a bad player in his own right. Yeah, not a bad player in his own right, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and, and Kenneth actually uh, said some really nice things about Bolton and, uh, and what potentially he could be once he gets past this knee injury with the Packers. Yeah, and there's just something about Oklahoma linebackers that I've always just kind of taken a liking to, a grittiness, a toughness, an athleticism that they just seem to find in that conference and really brings the best out of them. In Murray, I think when you look at this year's draft class, uh, guys that could be potential difference makers from day one, I'm no scout. No one's asking me to join the personnel department, but I just, I've been, I think his intangibles and what is required from that inside linebacker position in 2020, he checks a lot of boxes. I've watched both Murray and Patrick Queen from LSU on tape because at the very least, it is a position of interest for yeah. the Green Bay Packers. And I didn't grind miles of it as yet, but I ground enough to see. Queen seemed to have a lot of ability athletically and he could do some nice things. However, he wasn't a constant presence, at least not in the video I saw. Certainly, by what I saw, he has a potential to be that yeah. presence. But I'm telling you, <laughs> Murray, that kid has got some snap, crackle, and pop in his game. I mean, when he runs into folks, Things happen. He is an impact player. He's not a, a contact guy. He's a collision guy, yeah. and he can get all over the field. Very impressed with that young man. Yeah, well, and Kenneth Murray, too, just to give people a quick recap, and there's a story on Packers.com that I'm working on as far as as uh, far as far Murray's background. His parents adopted three special needs children, and they've obviously had a huge impact on his life, and as Wes said, he happened to be kind of a witness to a car accident and ended up giving a, a bleeding woman CPR and, and got her revived before the paramedics arrived. This was driving home from church with his girlfriend, you know, he said, which it was on a Sunday, like right after one of Oklahoma's games. So just a, a lot of really, really interesting pieces to his story. But you mentioned Patrick Queen from LSU and what you saw on tape. And what I liked about what I heard from Queen at the podium is that he said, hey, there are people out there who are questioning my ability to stop the run. And he wants to he wants to prove that. He wants to prove that he can be that guy in the NFL. And you know how this is, Larry. Sometimes self-awareness is at least half the battle. If he knows what he's got to work well, on. Well, you can't walk around with your head in the clouds and I'm wonderful, right. I'm perfect, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, when you're not. I mean, right. you have to address your shortcomings. And trust me, almost every football player has them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's, he's aware of that. Now, up in the defensive front here, I think the Packers also are going to, going to be looking at defensive line. It's, it's a position you want to add in just about every yeah. draft at some point right now where the Packers address it again, like these other positions we're talking about, first round, second round, third round. But there are a lot of there are a lot of these guys, Wes, that are you know six foot two, six foot three, and they're three ten, three twenty, and we'll see what their testing numbers are later in the week. But all indications are there's a lot of athleticism 
but these guys who can line up between the tackles, you know, and stop the run and rush the passer with that kind of size. Well, and that was kind of my biggest takeaway from the morning session with the defensive lineman. I don't have exactly all these names for you in terms of that position, but the wide variety of body types that are infiltrating the NFL at this point. I look at Rob Windsor, who's actually from Fond du Lac, played at Penn State. He's up there at 6'4", 285 pounds. I don't know how much body fat that kid has on him, maybe eight percent i mean he just looks like a complete physical specimen and then you see some how of these closely guys. have you studied this pretty close attention over there apparently so <laughs> but i mean just it's those type of players that are becoming more prevalent especially in those three tech positions even if he isn't your traditional 300 pounder um you know some of these guys go at six two 300 pounds but they find the leverage that they can you know be able to really make an impact inside and you still have your tried and true 340 pounds that are just going to be able to take on your double teams, fill gaps, and be productive against the run. The Packers, I you know, you go back, I think it's 23 or 24 consecutive years they've drafted a defensive lineman now. It's almost, you have 10 picks right now, you can almost bet on the fact yeah. that you're probably going to get another one. So seeing what they're looking for, because there's been a lot of outside sentiment right now that, you know, they need a Howard Green, they need a Ryan Pickett back, they need a guy that can sit down there and anchor the way they did 10 years ago when teams were running as much as they were. Do you go that route, or do you try to find another Kenny Clark-type body that can do it all. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the Packers found Kenny Clark at 26th in the draft a few years ago and for all the needs that the Packers have and everything that we're talking about if there's another Kenny Clark who's there at 30 yeah. and you don't have to make a trade or give up any other picks to get that guy, I think that's the kind of guy that's going to be difficult to pass on for this defense. Oh, absolutely. And something as far as what the Packers have coming back up front. A couple thoughts. Dean Lowry, who was signed to an extension and so forth, and Tyler Lancaster, the Northwestern tandem. How many teams have two defensive linemen from Northwestern? No it's got yeah. to be a new intercollegiate record. <laughs> but anyway, I think those guys are both coming off seasons where they had their moments, but they weren't as consistent yeah. as they have been previously. Right. Now, there is tape. It's out there that they can play to a certain standard, which they've done in the past. And I think both guys, if they were perfectly honest, would say, hey, I can play a little better on a consistent basis. Both of them had their moments. I could yeah. dig up the tape and show you and say, hey, this is great stuff, as good as it gets. But they weren't as consistent as you would hope for or they would hope for. So that's a possible area of improvement for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and, and let's be honest too, Mike. I mean, how often is it that a rookie defensive lineman comes in and just lights the world on fire? Kenny Clark, it took all of his rookie year to start finding his groove. It's improvement that's going to have to come from within. It's Lowry after getting the extension. It's Lancaster after becoming a player. Montrevious Adams is still in this conversation. Two years ago, looked like he was on the come up. Last year, it was a little bit more tougher footing for him to get going. And then I thought really Kingsley Kiki came on late last season as well. The guy played 94 defensive snaps and had 13 tackles. I mean, getting him more opportunities in that rotation, pretty big. The thing about Kiki, he has got something that is really difficult to coach up and teach. He has a knack for getting on the edge and being slippery. It's hard, it's much holding and stuff that yeah. goes on. 
it's hard to get a hold of guys like Kingsley Kiki. He's just got that knack, and it's hard to describe, but he slips people. And the thing about it is, ideally, you're just not taking up space and filling your gap. You're doing a little more, like you're doing your responsibility and then having the wherewithal and the athletic ability to go make a play. That's when you start playing real good defensive line. Yeah. And those are the type of things the Packers are looking for, Kiki and the other guys. Yeah, when you talk about guys whose arrows are pointing up, so to speak, I'll just throw a couple of names out there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ross Blacklock from TCU. This is a guy who actually lost the 2018 season to a torn Achilles. He worked out and got himself back through rehab in seven months from a torn Achilles, which is an injury that can take guys up to a year to come back from. He's got a really uh, good story, too, as far as the backstory. Another one I'll mention, Marlon Davidson from Auburn, another big defensive lineman. This is a guy, he calls himself country strong. He uh, um, made a promise to his mother, his late mother, to stay in school, finish school before he becomes an NFL player, wants to take care of his family financially and all of that. He said he didn't really work out his first three years at Auburn. His final year at Auburn, his bench press went from 265 pounds to 395 pounds in one year because you know some of these guys have that ability to just keep getting better. Those are the kinds of guys that, uh, that, that are definitely going to catch attention of, of scouts and personnel people. And I love Marlon. Listen to him talk a little bit at the podium. There are certain guys that go up there and you can see the hunger in their belly, the fire in their belly that they want not only to be a good football player, but there's people back home that are counting on them, that want them to succeed and need them to succeed. And I really got that flavor from him. In addition to having a really neat personality yeah. that seems like, you know, in based on everything I've read, you know, a good fit for a lot of locker rooms. Yeah. One other thing to keep in mind as we're discussing the Packers getting better up front, this is a very good year for interior defensive players as far as free agency goes. Yeah, right. And that class, that group of soon-to-be free agents is led by Chris Jones from Kansas City. There's no way they're letting that dude no. go. I mean, no, <laughs> Not that, a chance. Not he's in a class by himself. Yeah. But, yeah. but it is outside of him, it's still a pretty good group. So who knows how things will fall as this offseason transpires. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of transactions taking place in the NFL between the middle of March and then late April when the draft rolls around. But with that, we are going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted and a wrap for now from the NFL scouting combine thanks for watching everybody for larry and wes i am mike we will see you next time